Well, hey, Rev City Church, friends and family, so good to be with you today, and trust our worship time has already been a blessing to you, and it's my privilege and honor to welcome you to our service today and introduce you to these amazing people who are joining me here on the Rev City platform today to have a very important conversation that needs to be had. And Today, uh, I want to introduce to you Pastor Eddie Diaz and his wife, Beth Diaz. Pastor Eddie serves as our executive pastor. Beth serves as our children's director. They're a real blessing to this church and to our community. Sitting next to them, Mr. and Mrs. Steve and Pam Kiefer, just such an amazing couple in the Lord. Thank you guys for being willing to be here and be part of this conversation today. So thankful for you. Michael and Lana Criddle, so thankful for you guys, your leadership in our church and your willingness to be here today to be a part of this important conversation. Thank you. And next to them, Boniface and Leslie Matuku, just amazing leaders at Rev City and in God's kingdom and in our community. Thank you guys for being willing to be here to lend your voice and your leadership and your perspective to this important conversation. And my lovely wife, Amity, who's here right by my side, she's way more than my better half. Uh, thank you for being willing to be here and be part of this conversation, baby girl. And next to me, Jonathan Rainey and his wife, Fernanda. Thank you guys, amazing leaders at Rev City and in our community. Thank you guys for being willing to be here be part of this conversation, and Associate Pastor Micah Barclay, who is our Student Ministries Pastor and Pastoral Care Director, and his wife, Adrian. thank you guys for being willing to be here and be part of this conversation. And you know, church family and friends, I hope that you had an opportunity uh, to watch last Sunday's service. It was a powerful discussion about the need for God's people to speak up and speak out about the need for racial reconciliation and healing in our country and really all around the world. And, you know, it's a conversation that can be difficult to have, but I shared this last week that we cannot allow our, our fear of saying something the wrong way or not having all the answers or maybe not saying something just right to cause us or prevent us from stepping out and being willing to start having the conversation. And another thing that I shared that just quickly, when I just felt impressed to gather these amazing leaders and have these conversations, you know, that spirit just came against me and said, who are you and can you really make a difference? And I just encouraged us with this last week that you cannot allow the size of your Goliath to cause you to shrink back or prevent you from stepping onto that battlefield. And so last week, we just had one conversation, but I believe it was a valuable and important conversation to just begin to step out and say the people of God and the church of Jesus Christ has to speak out and engage in these matters because what I know is that the enemy will always fill the void with increased fear or anger or hostility or deeper division. And so it's vitally important that we, as men and women of God, the people of God, be willing to speak up and point people towards the word of God and towards the heart of God. And God created us, every man and woman, every color. His heart is for every nation, tribe, and tongue to gather around his throne and worship him. And come on, our mandate as the people of God, Jesus taught us to pray this way, that things would be on earth as they are in heaven. And so come on, this opportunity, our church family is an opportunity to just rehearse how it's going to look in heaven. People of all colors, all backgrounds gathering together, come on, unified as one body, one family, unified by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so last week we started to have this courageous conversation, and I, I want to say thank you to the wives who are joining us today to lend their voice. Your voice is valued. Your experiences are valued. Your testimonies are valued. Your hope for the future is, is value. And so with that said, I just want to open it up and just give you ladies and give you gentlemen an opportunity to once again just encourage us and remind us of some things. And let's just trust that the Lord will reveal some things to us as well. And in fact, right where you are and right where we sit today, let's just pray. Let's ask God to speak to us. We need more of Jesus 
He's the hope. He's the answer for this situation and for everything that we're up against. And so right where you are, come on, I'll pray over us corporately, but would you just invite the Lord to speak to you? Invite the Holy Spirit to fill your home and fill your heart and and speak to your heart and your mind today. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you humbly, Lord, and we thank you for your heart, God, for us as your people. And Lord, we pray that you would use this conversation to glorify Jesus and to reveal the heart of the Father. We pray that you would use this conversation to bring new and deeper and more lasting levels of healing and freedom and reconciliation and hope for the future that we have in you, God. We pray that you would comfort us. We pray that you would heal us. And we pray in the ways and in the places that we need it, Lord, that you would challenge us and convict us, Lord, to the changes that we need to lead the way to make. And we just, again, we say, come Holy Spirit, have your way. Speak to us, strengthen us, heal us, and encourage us today. Come on, in Jesus' mighty name, and all God's precious people said, Amen. Well, well, what's on our heart today, and how can we be a blessing and an encouragement to the people of God who are tuning in today? I just want to start by saying thank you, Pastor Thomas and Amity and Pastor Micah and Pastor Eddie, and just the leadership of Rev City for allowing us to have this conversation, because this conversation, I feel like, is needed not just in the world, but it's needed from the lighthouse, which is the church, Jesus said that we are the light of the world and the light cannot be lit and hidden. It needs to be brought up. So thank you for allowing us to have this conversation as a light to give hope, not to hide what is happening, but to bring hope, to say, yes, this is happening. Yes, this is true, but where do we go from here? So thank you, church, for having this conversation. Same way here, Leslie, I have the same feelings as you do. And I would add that not only have helped me, but I know have helped my family and my friends knowing that there is somewhere safe that we can come to, someone that will listen to us and try to understand where we're coming from. Bringing that conversation to my kids, it was awesome to see that they are not only hearing from me, but from the people that they see here at church, that they can also not only trust on me, but they can trust on you guys. And that meant the most to me, I think, because they're my babies and we're gonna fight for them. We're gonna try to fix everything for them. And I think this is a way to go. Thank you. I know as a mom of teens, Our teenage girls saw the sad video of George Floyd's life being taken before I saw it. It was so difficult because having to catch up to your kids and you're catching up to them with with a broken heart is tough. It's tough because that was not right. It is not right for someone to be, for their life to be taken in front of everybody and that I had to take a step and I felt angry because of what happened and then at the same time I felt compassion I felt compassion for officer Derek I remembered the story about the woman who was brought to Jesus this woman was caught in the very act of adultery and that anger that I was feeling towards Officer Derek, 
I brought him to Jesus with that anger. And I'm like, he did this. I saw him. We saw him. It's out there. He did this. <laughs> and, you know, you lay it at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus has his way just like he did in the Bible. He got up and said, let he who has no sin be the first one to cast the stone. And I was like, okay, okay. I have a whole lot of sin. And I had to tell our girls, I said, we are also sinners. And every day we sin against the holy God. And if, I, if we can come to God and ask him to forgive us, then he expects of us to offer that forgiveness to Officer Derek. But we have to walk against the grain. We have to extend forgiveness because it says in Matthew 25, 19, when the disciples were asking Jesus, you know, how many times should I forgive? And a lot of the black community, a lot of the minorities, we are asking, how many times? How long is this going to go on? It's gone on for 400 years, you know? A couple weeks ago, it was a mad. The other week, it was Brianna. You know, how long until this stops? And the disciples were asking Jesus, how long do I forgive? And Jesus said, not seven times 70. You have to keep forgiving. And he says, you know, at the end of that passage, he says, if you do not forgive, this is how your heavenly father will treat you. And that verse tells me, if I don't forgive Officer Derek, then my, I shouldn't expect my father to forgive me of my sins. So I forgive him and everybody else that has done this. But then I pray for them. I don't forgive and just say, oh, it will go on. We pray that a change will come. And I thank God that a change is coming from the church. How can we be the light? How can we take that anger and say, yes, I am angry, but I lay it at the feet of Jesus I choose to forgive my brothers and sisters. Well, I just want to say thank you. You started with thank you for us having everyone here, but I want to say thank you for saying something. And I just want to repent. It's just in my heart to repent because we don't know what we don't know, and if you don't say anything, we don't know. So I just want to repent and say I'm sorry for not paying attention and for not knowing. But now I know, and I will do better. I'm committed to that. But I want to say that just to bring unity among the body. And for you out there listening to, if you need to repent, do it. It may not be because of something you did, but maybe your generation did or your culture did. Repent and let the Lord set you free today. Setting me free to know that my sister was hurt and I can repent to her and she receives it. And I can be made whole, and she can be made whole. And we can walk in unity, agreed as one body. So I pray that that's what happens through this today. Thank you. People are looking inwardly, looking at themselves, and asking, what difference can I make? Or what have I done in the past? What is my role to play in this? We in the church, the church body is asking, Okay, now, what is our role? And what you're talking about is relationship and love. 
and God's forgiveness as it relates to us, and then our responsibility to have that same heart as it relates to our fellow man. So what do we do going forward? That's a question that is being asked, not just here amongst this panel, but across the nation. We have to have that inner reflection. We have to forgive and then plan to move forward with whatever God has put on your heart corporately and individually that's going to make a difference. And that's what's needed here is further the kingdom. And the, the, I, I kind of have a vision of the church, um, you know, kind of branching out. Or, or you see a, a, a picture of, um, of a tsunami coming to shore and it just overrides everything, everything in, it, in its path. It overcomes it. And that's kind of the vision that I see that the church needs to have in respects to this, is that we come through like a tsunami where we're just overcoming, overtaking the evil of, of the world. And that's going to require a warrior spirit. It's going to require relationship. It's going to require getting to know one another because we're talking about stamping out evil. Yeah, you know, that's what's been um, heavy on my heart the last couple weeks, sorry, is it feels so overwhelming to not know how to fix things. And I loved Boniface's story last week about the starfish, and I really took that to heart of, this feels huge, but by golly, I'm just going to start picking up starfishes, I'm going to start encouraging every brother and sister I can get my hands on or look in their eyes. And so for me, something that I've been asking myself, and I feel like the Lord um, has been so gracious to show me is, Lord, do I have any blind spots in my life that I've been operating in, um, not with an, an ill intent or a motive or an agenda, but just, just because I don't know. I remember my dad teaching me driver's ed and he got out of the vehicle and he went and stood in this spot and he said, can you see me? And I remember looking in every mirror and it's crazy. I just, I remember that feeling of, I can't see him. And what I've learned over the years of driving is there's only two ways to see your blind spots. You can physically get up out of your position and get a little uncomfortable and look in a different perspective or someone has to point it out to you. And so for me, where I've been crying out to the Lord and reaching out to my brothers and sisters and saying, do I have blind spots? Because here's my heart. Here's my heart in the matter. Here's, here's how I feel. I hate this. I hate this division. I hate this, this injustice. I hate the hate. <laughs> but is there anything that I'm doing that I'm participating in unknowingly? And so I would love to hear from any of you. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Just um, are there things that um, moving forward that we can just be more aware of? Things we say, things we don't say. I think it would be more of things you don't say when something like this happened, that hurts a certain community, group of people in this body. When we don't hear or even know that you understand what we are feeling, then we're like, okay, we'll just keep quiet. We'll not go over to them. But then, like, when we 
saw each other within that time and you came over and you're like, I really need, I want to hug you guys because I understand, are you okay? That spoke, just hug, you know? And sometimes people are like, I don't know what to say. Our kids had their teachers who teach them in the public school send a text and say, hey, I've been thinking about you. How are you doing? The sad thing, they did not hear it from people in this chat. And that is hard, but I think that's the blind spots. It's important when, you know, it's not every issue, but it's good to check on one another. Because if we are family, and someone in your family is hurting, or they didn't show up to the dinner table, you'll be like, hey, I didn't see you at the gathering last week. Or how come you didn't show up at home? Or are you okay this morning? You know, so that, you know, that will help. I think that's really important that we be willing to, um, to have those conversations, especially if we're willing to cover it with grace and understand that there are well-intending people who might just not have all the right words or all the answers, but there's a heart to want to be a part of making sure that we're inclusive and making sure that everyone feels welcomed and loved and valued and, and, and cared for independent of their background. We have to be willing to have these conversations and that's part of what we're doing today. I've had many conversations from people that will say, you know, I'm not racist. I'm, I have no desire to hurt anyone of color which is great, and, it, and more than likely, it's probably the case. As a mother of four children of mixed races, I never wanted to hurt my children. But in the 27 years, I've never felt or seen their fear or their rage or anything to this capacity. So I say to us, not speaking up, we have to do that. We have to take the time to hear, my oldest son will be 34 this year, and I've never known until the last year of his fears. I mean, I raised him, I was with him there to protect him, and he felt safe in my home, but he didn't feel safe outside of my home, and I never knew that, never. So we have to be aware that irregardless of what we didn't know, what we didn't say, we have to start standing up. We have to take that initiative, not just, not just you, but us with you. We have to stand beside and make sure that everyone knows, especially as Christians, that this is not okay. I appreciate the practical just saying that because I even think of a time in our life when we experienced loss and a lot of people would tell us we don't know what to say or do, so we won't say anything, and that almost hurt me more. And I remember actually the most encouraging thing was a letter from someone. They didn't have to say it in person, but it felt like they noticed me. But I've even noticed the past few weeks, I haven't known what to say. For example, your daughters, I love so much, like so, so much, have prayed with them, have been with them, but like, I don't know sometimes what to do, but I guess, you know, I answered the question for myself after hearing it, like, sometimes just a small act of just saying, like, hey, I love you, that meant the most to me when I was going through loss. And um, it honestly, sometimes I didn't want to have a candid conversation, like, 
hey, spill your whole guts on the floor for me with, I'm like, no, I'm not ready to do that. I have people in my life I can, but I did appreciate just the small acts of kindness. So I, I really appreciate that um, going forward. Just it helps us to know what to do and um, move forward. It is important. Send the text. I have friends who have texted me and said, hey, friend, I'm thinking about you. It's been a tough three weeks. And that's it. And I'm like, thanks. Because what that says to me is that this person is standing with me. And so if we make it a habit, not just when something is going on, then you won't feel weird. It would feel weird that, oh, we are doing it because they're this. And um, one of the great things that I learned through this is maybe we should try and connect with people who don't look like us. You know, as a church, we should cultivate that, you know, that just those getting together with one another, not because something is happening only. Perception is reality. How we see things from our point of view is how we think that's the way it is, even though it may or may not be. You know, this is a problem that just didn't happen yesterday. This is something that's been going on for a long time, and, and our parents and our forefathers experienced it. And, and but we want to leave this world at a, a better place for our, our children. You know, the world should be a better place because of man's life. And one of the things I like about athletics is when you step on the playing field, everybody's got the same color jersey on. We're all the same team. It's, it's all, all the, the same purpose, the same source, the same direction. We're all heading the right, right direction. And for, uh, I just encourage all of us with our children and our grandchildren to, you know, for relationship, you got to spend time together. You got to spend time together. You know, we've learned a lot from each other just spending time together right now that we wouldn't ordinarily spend time together. But as children, to be involved in athletics, they can spend time together to learn their teammates. And as, as parents and grandparents sitting in the stands, you can talk and learn and listen to, to different points of view. And, and just to, there's so, we have so much in common. It's, it's just uh, crazy that this item here is, has become such a, a bomb that just destroys families and, and terrible, awful things. But if we can just spend time together and develop relationships as we pass the baton to these children and our children, they'll pass it on to their children, and hopefully we'll help bridge this, this gap that, that's going on. How have you guys felt through these last two weeks? I mean, what's, I know Amity shared that it's broken her heart and it's been sad and she How about the rest of you? Have you has this stirred something in you? Yeah, if I can just speak on a personal note, um, um, partly because I have several friends who are active police officers. One close friend in particular, and he's a deputy in Johnson County, but he's also on the SWAT team for Kansas City. So he was called in every night to go defend the plaza against, you know, who knows what would happen. And it was very, uh, it was really scary for him, you know. It's just hatred on all sides. I just think we have to gosh, we just have to use God's word to realize like, this is right, this is wrong. Racism is 100% wrong, but so is, uh, you know, beating up police officers. He had people throwing bricks at him. He had people throwing water bottles at him, doing, uh, throwing urine at him. I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. And um, I mean, just speaking honestly, one of the best terrifying things, people were even telling him, we're going to follow you home and we are going to find where your family lives and we're going to kill him. But they were like saying those type of things towards him. And it's just, 
makes no sense whatsoever, but there's a lot of other pain going on, and that's what Satan tries to do, just makes me even try to be quiet about it, and I'm like, well, I don't want to be quiet about it. It hurts. It hurts my family, and I'm hesitant to even say that, though, because I feel like it's diminishing the pain of the black community right now. But if you're just asking, like, that's how I'm feeling. But I want to support both sides. I want to say that I'm for you. But I have to say, brother, I'm for you, too. I'm against hatred and I'm against uh, people acting out that way. But that's just anger, to be honest. I've, we've been dealing with a lot of I have been dealing with a lot of anger when I see that type of hatred in the world. Um, Micah, I feel for you. And I totally understand your pain, but try to think to have that pain 24-7, you know, and know that your family, your brother can go to work and get killed just because he was going to work, you know, just because it's the color of his skin. So I feel for you, I understand, but I, not that I'm saying they're okay, that they should be doing that, but that's the pain that has been gone for I know Leslie mentioned this 400 years that happens every day, every single minute of the day. So like you said, it's just, it needs to be a change of heart on both sides. Yeah, and I feel like, I feel your pain and I'm sorry that you're going through that. It's just evil, you know, we don't, as a mom, I teach, my kids, you know, you don't get, do evil for evil. You, it doesn't, two wrongs don't make a right. It is wrong that people are going out and destroying property. It is wrong that they are, you know, hating on others. Because not all police officers would do what former officer Derek did. There's good police officers. Just the same way there's good people and bad people. But I think the church... Has a, has a role, and the role is to love one another. It's the second greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and the second is like it, to love one another. And I think if we love one another and forgive each other, we will heal. And I think as the church heals, then we will help the world to heal. One of the things the Lord's really been I'm doing in my heart and just revealing to me in a new way and in a deeper way is just how recently it was generationally when some of these things that even in our nation, which really is a great nation, there is a very unfortunate, painful chapter in the history of our nation. And, you know, we can change the laws, but only the Holy Spirit can heal hearts. And that's going to take time. And, you know, Pastor Micah, as I was watching um, the protests that evolved into riots and the anger and the destruction and things that were happening, I felt the Lord just speak to my heart. And here's how he spoke it to me. He said, something can be inexcusable and also be understandable. And there's no excuse for the additional violence and it's counterproductive to progress. But I feel like the Lord just started to show me just the reality of the depth of the pain and the hurt and the frustration that has been sewn into people generationally. You know, it was only 1965 where we enacted the Civil Rights Act that, that finally overturned some of the laws that dictated to people, you are less than, because simply because of the color of your skin, you cannot come into this restaurant or this movie theater or drink from this water fountain. And that's just a couple of generations ago, and I don't know if you saw this, but 
it was in the news this last week that the last surviving child of a Confederate soldier who actually fought in the Confederate Army, the last surviving child of a Confederate soldier passed away just this last week. And it was an extreme example. The parents were well advanced in age when they had the child and the child had lived a long life, but it just was a stark reminder to me that's two generations ago that these things were being sown into people's hearts. And so we can change the laws, but that's the church's responsibility to be a part of the healing of the hearts that were affected by this. And, you know, as a Christian, you know, sometimes you get confused between, you know, righteous anger and non-righteous anger. But so there would be this anger in me. And, you know, and then one day God showed me that uh, the reason why I feel angry is because uh, I am made in the image of God and justice is important to him. And that's why, because it bothers him, I was being bothered by virtue of the fact that, you know, I am made, you know, in his image. And, uh, you know, God showed me this scripture out of Psalm 89. You have a strong arm. Your hand is mighty. Your right hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And that, that same verse is also repeated in Psalm 97 verse 2. The exact verse, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. We all know that the foundation of anything is very important. A house is as good as the foundation of that house. And so when you think about God and his throne and the things that are important to him, you cannot talk about God and not talk about righteousness and justice. And so I began to understand why there was that uh, righteous anger that was, you know, I was experiencing. But then, then I also realized that, yes, it is important that, that we pursue justice, you know, here in this earth. Uh, we have every reason to do that. We have an ally in God as we do that. But... I began to see that even beyond this earth, God is going to make things right. And I am confident that whatever is wrong is going to be made right, whether it is in this earth or in the life to come. And I feel comfort just knowing that Righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne of God, and God is going to make things right. And so uh, that ought to bring comfort to every single one of us to know that everything that is wrong is going to be made right. I appreciate you saying that because that's one thing that I struggle with quite a bit, uh, especially as I watch this because, um, you know, Justice isn't often applied equally, and um, at least here, here on earth. And um, 
you know, I think uh, we have to remember that. You know, we, we, we really do. We have to, uh, you know, we have to really have a kingdom vision uh, of what's going on around us right now. You know, when you see the injustice over and over and over, you know, and, and um, Ahmed Aubrey, you know, the two guys that, you know, basically just hunted him down, you know, and shot him in the middle of the street, you know, um, it, it just, it breaks your heart and, and you, you, you want that justice, you know, you want it, you know, what those guys didn't, you know, what they did wasn't right. So you have a teenage uh, son or daughter that's of driving age and you literally have that fear of what's going to happen when and if they get stopped. Not if, but when they get stopped. Particularly a young black male um, that is angry, that has been exposed to racism in, you know, from a very early age. Things that we know about as a parent that he's carrying and things that we don't know about as a parent. I just found out something yesterday about one of my adult sons that happened to him when he was in elementary school with a teacher. Didn't know anything about it. But you start thinking about this when they're out alone and they get stopped and say the wrong thing or some of that anger boils up. That's a true fear that you live with. And you try to balance your message. Uh, I took this approach. I was constantly coaching my kids how to act and what to say. Um, they, had a, they had an issue with that. Uh, they didn't tell me this until they got older, uh, now, that, now that they're men, but they wanted to hear me say, hey, this isn't right. No, you shouldn't have to feel this way. I knew that, but my perspective was I need them back home safe. And to do that, I felt like I need to let them know, you act this way, you say this. But that's a very real thing in the black community that you worry about. I lived in the same home, raised the same children, and I never had that fear. I never had that fear. I never went to bed thinking, my children are black, they, they won't come home. I, I never felt that. And yet they felt it, my husband felt it, and it, it, we never spoke of it. And, and that's the truth. You know, it's why we're here. I'm married to him, and I love him, and he still can't talk to me about certain things of, of race and color, and he knows I'm not prejudiced. So if that happens in a home, you know, how oblivious are we? I mean, I was. I was so unaware, and it's not okay. And I apologize to him and my children. So, I, I was working with a young lady that her children were um, black. This was several years ago, and it was the first time I'd ever been aware of how much fear she had when her children were out and about. For my part, I... I just can't believe the meanness um, and the anger. I just, it's like, but I know that's in my sin nature, just like everybody else's. We have a sin nature. It's in me, just like everyone else. And that frightens me also. Um, 
but we aren't fighting flesh and blood. I've said this a million times. It's not flesh and blood that we're fighting. The enemy's out to kill, steal, and destroy, and he's having a heyday with this. He's busting up families. He's hurting a lot of people, um, just stirring up a lot. I want to love like Jesus loves. We can do this together because there's a reason as to why we are alive at such a time as this. God has allowed all of us to be alive so that we can be change makers. There's a divine reason. And the divine reason is we have to make, build this bridge, be a part of bridging. Our forefathers did what they did. They enslaved us. It's not our fault that we allowed our people, even Africa, we allowed our people to go. Some of us actually sold our family members. And some of the white families owned slaves. And it is not your fault. It is not our fault, but we can do better. We can make a change at this point in history. The last person whose parents were Confederates died. So we believe that that line has been cut. That cord has been cut and a new life is coming up, and this is the time. Um, I have something uh, that I've been thinking, and we have asked about what could be the answer, how could be the next step, and I would like to talk to my brothers and sisters that it's not gonna change overnight. It has been happening for so long, and like I said, it has been instilled on both sides, the, white side that it's okay, the black side to victimize or to um, just say, oh, I can amount to anything because I am black. Um, what I wanted to say is that every obstacle that you find, get up, raise up and continue going forward. You will find somebody that will help you you will find, uh, I was talking to Pastor Micah uh, a little bit earlier, that there will be another open door, so don't give up. It's easier to say, oh, yeah, it's not gonna, I'm not gonna get it, I'm black, I just have to be doing what everybody else has been doing. Uh, no, go forward looking for new opportunities, find the right people, go forward. You know, I, I hear so many beautiful hearts. And I think that that's my biggest takeaway today is the importance of showing what's in our heart. We can talk about it. We can film a service one time, two times, once a year. But day to day, what I'm taking away personally is I'm going to do everything in my power to translate this to action as uncomfortable as it can be, as, as messy, and maybe I'll say the wrong thing, but by golly, I'm gonna do my best to say, you know what? This feels big, this feels overwhelming, but one action at a time is what I can do. And I think if we can come away with this aware and we just have a thought from the Holy Spirit, stop in the church lobby and talk to somebody that maybe you wouldn't normally talk to, Ask your brothers and sisters, how are we doing? And then just listen. I'm taken away. We can't just assume, you know, the Bible talks about search my heart and know me and see if there's anything in me. 
that's unclean and lead me in the way everlasting. And I just want that to be the cry of our hearts as the body of Christ. Search our hearts. One of the things is on my heart as we close is um, the Bible says in Isaiah 61 that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. I just want to speak to you today. If you're brokenhearted, the Lord has come to bind that up, to heal you, to proclaim freedom for the captives. If the enemy is holding you captive in any place, we proclaim freedom to you today. That's what the Lord sent us here to do to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the favor of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. And it just goes on. I encourage you to read Isaiah 61. But what sticks with me is to comfort all who mourn. And today, I, what Leslie said earlier was, how did you feel about this? And I mourned. I mean, it grieved my heart. It was difficult for me to he see George die on that camera. I mean, I, I just couldn't. I said, Eddie, I, I can't watch that. Don't show that stuff to me. I mean, I just grieved. And I know our hearts are grieving as a nation, as a people, for those who are brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted out there, if any of us here are brokenhearted, can we just say, Lord, would you heal me? Would you bind up my wounds? Would you heal my broken heart so that I can walk free and not walk in a different way than you want me to walk? just want to take a moment. And if anybody out there needs prayer, I know we have a text feature. You can text CARE, C-A-R-E, to 30500, and we'll pray for you today. A pastor will connect with you and pray for you. But I just, can I take a moment and just pray for anybody who's brokenhearted right now that the Lord would bind up their wounds. So let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth that binds us together, Lord. We've spoken our truth today, and that's a good thing. But now we come to receive your truth. And you say that you come to comfort all who mourn. We mourn today for the loss of a life, but also many others who are hurting and broken over whatever situation it is. Maybe it's not this situation, but another situation. God wants to heal your broken heart. And Lord, we thank you. We just begin to thank you we thank you that you put a garment of praise on us for a spirit of heaviness. That's what the word goes on to say. So we come to praise you and thank you for your ministry to heal the brokenhearted. We receive it. We believe it today. Can you just receive it right there where you're at? Lord, thank you for healing my heart. Thank you for healing my brokenness that today I would walk away different because of what I heard, loving you and loving my neighbor as myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let us be different today than what we were when we came. Well, I just want to thank you all, and what a powerful and important moment this has been in conversation. And I have felt impressed by the Lord for us to once again receive communion together and to lead our church family in receiving communion. And, and listen, if you haven't already had the opportunity right now, might be a good moment for you to just go and just grab whatever you can 
some chips or juice or whatever to take something in your hand. If you don't have something available, I really believe it's not about what you have in your hand, but the posture of your heart. And as we celebrate this, I just want to encourage you, turn your heart towards God. Just be open to hear what he's speaking to you and doing in you and reminding you of. Leslie, would you do the honor of leading us in taking the bread together? And Amity, would you lead us in receiving the cup and just reminding us the fact that Jesus has created one body, one family, one church. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus who gave his body to pay the ultimate price. And Lord, as we receive this bread, this bread token that reminds us of the price that Jesus paid, Lord, we take it as brothers and sisters remembering that it was given, Jesus' body was broken for the forgiveness of our sins, and that we are to forgive one another even as you have forgiven us. And Lord, as we receive it, we receive it with thanksgiving, and ask that you may bless it in Jesus' name. May we receive. Father, your word says to do this in remembrance of you. Lord, there's a lot of words spoken today and there's a lot of words being spoken in our community and, and in our nation. And Father, I just am reminded of your words, your better word that is spoken. Lord, where there's brokenness, I thank you for healing. Where there's anger, I thank you for peace that passes all understanding. Where there is sorrow, Lord, you're our comforter. So Lord, today, as the body of Christ, as one body, as brothers and sisters together, we take this and we remember all that you died for. Jesus, all that you died for. And we receive it today. Wherever we're at, Father, we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. I want to ask my brothers and sisters to stand with me as we prepare to close today. And listen, friend, right where you are, would you just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what are you speaking to me? And what are you doing in me? And listen, I trust that he's speaking to you. And as he's speaking to you, would you allow me to pray for you and pray for us as a church and as a nation? And come on, press in with me today. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We look to you, God. We recognize, Lord, that we need you, more of Jesus in our hearts and in our homes. And Lord, we thank you for your heart, Lord, for this subject matter. Thank you for this courageous conversation. And we pray, Lord, that you would use it, God, to bring about new and deeper levels of healing and freedom and restoration and reconciliation in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, anyone who's hurting or confused or doubting or fearful, Lord, we pray that you would show up, God, and you would be their source, Lord, of, of comfort and strength and protection and direction in this season in the mighty name of Jesus because of your great love for us. Amen, amen, amen. And friend, lastly, right where you are, the most important thing we do today is give you an opportunity, if you find yourself today far from God, to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you once knew God and served God and grew up in the church, but today you find yourself far from him. 
And we believe if that's the case, you are not tuning in today by accident. It's because of the heart of a good father who's longing, who's searching for you to come back home into a relationship with him that transcends religion. And listen, if that's you responding to Jesus, we want to pray this with you. And we do it for a couple of reasons. And you guys know we do it every week. And one is to quickly show you, we want to come alongside you and encourage you and stand with you and walk with you in your faith in Jesus Christ. And two is because we recognize that even as we're growing in our faith, we never graduate from grace. We need the grace of God in our life today as much as we ever have. And so come on, with those who are responding right there, would you repeat after me? Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could not pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you that life. I give you my trust. Because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, I'll never be the same. Come on, right where you are, can we just rejoice with all of heaven for the precious people who dedicated or rededicated their life to Jesus Christ. And listen, friend, if that was you, we would love to hear from you. We have some resources we would love to send you, put in your hands. You can text new life, all one word, to the text number 30500 or email us at newlife at revcity.com. Well, I'm so thankful for what the Lord's speaking to us and doing in our hearts. And before we close, can we join together and worship the Lord one more time together today?